Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is November 24th, and our reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 2 and chapter 3. Beginning in verse 11, Chapter 2, Peter says this, Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Man, this is an important warning for us in American culture, because in all of our prosperity, we are constantly tempted. Culture is pushing us into a life of independence. And remember, the Christian life is a life of humble dependence. So if we're not careful, we will look to our prosperity, our security, our retirement, our stuff. We'll look to all of that for identity and security and pleasure and even purpose. And in, and before we know it, we're living a pretty independent life. Now we're trusting Jesus for heaven, but we're living here on earth independently of God and out of our own resource to the detriment of our soul, our witness, and the kingdom of God. So Peter says, you got to be careful. So I just think we've got to be real careful. This, In fact, this is why the relational practices of giving, silence and solitude, Sabbath, margin, um, that's why fasting, that's why these practices are so important because they give us an opportunity to say no to our flesh, to bring our flesh, our desire, our lust for more into submission to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So we've got to fight for our soul. Listen, there's a battle going on for your soul. And we need to ask the Lord to help us examine our hearts and if this is an issue and, and how do we make sure that we keep Jesus in the proper place. Now, the next thing he's going to do is address our relationship to the government. Let me read a portion of this beginning in verse 12. He says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or officials he's appointed for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. So here's the issue. The first century Christians, just like us today, were declaring Jesus is my king and my allegiance is to the kingdom of God. But as you can imagine, in the first century, just like today, many hear that and what they assume is this is person is a rebel who's rebelling against culture and against government. And what Peter's saying is when they make that accusation, but then examine your life, your life should make them look like a fool because your life is a life of service and humility and love for people. They should see the way you treat people and realize that's not who you are. And that's something that's, that we've got to really be careful about in American culture right now with all this Christian nationalism and the idea that one particular political party or a candidate, that they're God's party or God's man and, and there's an, such an allegiance. to no, 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 our allegiance is to Jesus, not any man. 
and we're going to submit to government because we believe God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men, and He has established and appointed government, and He's put all that in place. So we're going to trust Him as long as the government, and here's where we draw a line, as long as the government never asks us to do something that requires us to disobey God. And when that happens, we're going to obey God not the government, and we're going to let the chips fall where they may. But now the advantage that we have in a republic is that we get to vote, and we do need to try to vote for Christians and people that have godly values and principles because it blesses everybody in our culture and keeps us from getting in a situation where what Jesus says and what the government says are opposed to one another. So we do need to take that responsibility. They didn't really have that option in freedom in the first century, and they don't have that option of freedom in many places of the world today. And that's important to know because notice what he says next. In verse 18, he says, you who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they're kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. For God is pleased when conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you'll get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. And then he describes Jesus and how Jesus suffered for doing what was right. Now, let me just say again, this is so important, loud and clear. The Bible does not support. It does not justify. It certainly does not encourage slavery of any kind. What Jesus, he could not have been more clear. What he said was this, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So anything that violates the law of love is outside of the will of God. So the scripture condemns slavery, and throughout history, it has been Christians who have fought to end slavery all over the world, and that is still true today. So the Bible does not encourage it at all. The Bible says, do unto others what you want them to do unto you. And none of us want somebody else to enslave us, take away our rights, and treat us like property. That's ridiculous, right? And so the Bible condemns slavery. But here, Peter, and often Paul, is writing to an audience who has no power, no control to transform government and to end the practice of slavery. And what he's saying to Christian slaves is even as a Christian, And even as a slave, here's what you need to understand. Number one, your slavery or your social or political position in culture does not keep you from the kingdom of God. I love Galatians 3.28. There is no more male or female, slave or free, Jew or Greek. We are all one in Christ. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all need Jesus. And so being a slave did not keep them from a personal relationship with Jesus. But secondly, he's saying, if you're unable to get out of slavery, if you're stuck in that position, the way you live, even as a slave, is a powerful witness to those around you. And so he's just encouraging them to live in a way that honors Jesus, even in your suffering, and God's going to reward you, and your life will have a powerful witness. And then finally, in today's reading, he's going to talk about wives and husbands. And beginning in verse 1, Peter's going to instruct wives, respect your husband. And I just want to say what most men want more than anything else is to feel respected 
in their home. I love that book, Love and Respect. And the whole premise of the book is that a woman wants to feel loved and a man wants to feel respected more than anything else. So Peter here says, respect your husband, submit to his authority. But then in verse seven, he says to husbands, husbands, honor your wives. And I think every woman wants to feel honored, protected, safe, heard, cherished, loved. Listen, when Tina feels that way, submitting or respecting my authority is never an issue. In fact, when Tina feels that way, I am so blessed by that woman. And so Peter says to the men, honor your wives. And he says, live with them in understanding. So I need to understand what's true, what's going on in the heart and life of my wife and live with her in understanding. He says, men, you're the stronger vessel. So opportunity, this is your chance to, to man up and to show your strength. And listen, historically speaking, men have usually abused their power, used their power to oppress. And so what Peter is saying is, listen, you're strong, so let's use our strength to honor. Let's use our strength to bless. In fact, he goes on to say, if you don't do this, he says, your prayers will be hindered. In other words, if I treat Tina with anything other than honor and love and cherish her, if I don't treat her that way, that God closes his ear to my prayers. Boy, that's a strong warning. He said, well, why would God do that? Because Tina is his daughter. I mean, just imagine, I've got two girls. And one day they're going to pick somebody and, and get married. And if that guy does not treat my daughter the way I think he should, just imagine my reaction and response to that. Any parent, right? Well, in the very same way, women are the children, the daughters of God. And Peter's saying, men, you need to honor them, live with them in understanding, and use your strength to be a blessing to create an environment where they can flourish. When we do that, a man is so blessed and a woman is glad to follow his lead. And then one last thing that I just want to touch on. Beginning in verse 3 through verse 6, he talks about the importance of modesty. And I just want to say again, it's so important in our culture. Ladies, we've got to be real careful. Allow people to notice you for your character the way you love people, your humility, the beauty of your character and your soul, as opposed to drawing attention to your exterior beauty or worse, your sex appeal. We want to live modestly. We want people when they look at us to see Jesus, not to look at us and want our body, right? So this is so important in American culture where women, are, I think, are, are, get the message that the only thing I have of value is my body or sex. And that is just not true at all. You are God's masterpiece. You're the children of God. And I want to encourage you to guard your heart and to trust that, man, God loves you and you're so valuable and you don't have to give yourself away that way at all. Be modest and let people see Jesus shining through you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this word. God, I pray that you would help us to fight for our heart in the midst of a culture that's constantly trying to squeeze us into its mold, a, constant, a culture that's always trying to push us into independence. God, help us to live in humble dependence. God, our allegiance is to you, our King. 
But God, you've instructed us to submit to government. So Lord, help us to do that and help us to understand the balance, the tension of those two ideas. God, we thank you that Christianity has destroyed and is destroying slavery and every kind, every form around the world. And God, we pray that every person in the world would be set free, that you would move in great power to set captives free and that you've commanded us to love each other. God, I pray for every person that's married, listening, every person that may want to be married one day. God, help us to build great marriages, great families. I pray that the women would know how to respect their husbands and to know that in respecting him, they're empowering, building his strength so that he then can lay down his life honoring, cherishing, loving, protecting her so that their relationship flourishes. And God, I pray for the men and women that we would all live in modesty today. And that when people see us, they're not looking at a a facade, an external thing that we've propped up, that what they see in us is the character of God. They'd see Jesus in us. Lord, help us to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, to do what Jesus did. So when our world looks at us, ultimately, they see Jesus. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me today. I hope that encourages you. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.